After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then, and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii would not buy enough bread for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, about five thousand in number. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, Gather up the leftover fragments, that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up, and filled twelve baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves, left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, This is indeed the prophet who is coming to the world. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. The word of the Lord. Well, we're going to talk about food today. And as you can see, it's very apropos talking about the Stop Hunger Now, uh, which is an exciting project. But you know, there are a lot of changes going on with food right now. I just recently discovered that the food pyramid no longer exists. Did you know that? Now it's like a dinner plate. I mean, there was no, you know, consultation with me. Michelle Obama just came out with this willy-nilly. So no more pyramid. Now there is the dinner plate. It's very interesting that, you know, one of our kids uh, recently did well in school, and so she got a, uh, he got a ticket for a free McDonald's Happy Meal. I thought to myself, that is fantastic. Is that on the dinner plate, Michelle? I don't think so. So there's a lot of, as we're thinking about food, anyone seen the movie Food, Inc., by the way? Don't watch it. You'll never be the same. Okay? Stay away. Don't watch it. I'm just kidding. But you know, when Trader Joe's came here and they have all this organic produce, we started going there and, you know, trying to eat more healthy, and that was wonderful. And then along comes Whole Foods. Okay? Whole Foods is really, really good. Do you guys remember the shopping sprees in the past? You know, you went on the prices right and you could get as much stuff. And in Whole Foods, we can do what's called a reverse shopping spree, which is basically, how long does it take for me to spend all of my money at Whole Foods? It might take about 12 minutes to spend your entire paycheck at Whole Foods. Well, Leon and I have been on this fitness bandwagon. We're trying to eat very well. And, you know, it's challenging to eat well, as silly as that sounds in our country, because it's, our food is designed for convenience because of the transportation distance and so forth. So we started looking into this and we got some very interesting cookbooks such as The Happy Herbivore, okay, 175 delicious fat-free recipes, Appetite for Reduction, which is a great cookbook, and yes, that blockbuster seller, Eat to Live, okay? And so we decided we need to try some very, you know, fresh recipes, and so we looked in the back and found high cruciferous vegetable stew. This is fantastic, by the way. Uh, one half cup of dried split peas, one half cup of dried lentils, one bunch of kale, 
freshly chopped, one bunch of collard greens, one head of broccoli, Brussels sprouts, shiitake, everything that a child hates, we threw in here. I think we put in a newt's eye and, you know, the tail of a, uh, you know, dog, or I don't know. We mixed all this thing up in this giant pot, and it's fresh and everything, and I, I, we tasted it, and it was hideous. Oh my gosh, wow. But we stayed with it and are eating better, trying to eat our nutrition, uh, you know, more through plant-based stuff. People ask us, you know, are you guys vegetarians? Are we just trying to food through plant-based stuff? You know, it's hard to find good food in the United States, as silly as that sounds. They've said that in America, we're the most overfed nation and undernourished at the same time. Because that which we eat doesn't have a lot of nutrition in it, so we need to keep eating it in order to get what we need. Well, it's hard to find good food in America, but in much of the world, it's hard to find food at all. Certainly, this was the point of the ancient Near East where Jesus lived, where food was literally life. People would work during the day to get the wages so they could go and get their evening meal in order to eat. And so these people are following Jesus, maybe at the cost of their own eating, because they've got to work to eat, and yet they're so fascinated with this man that they're following him. We see that Jesus went to the other side of the, of the uh, uh, Sea of Galilee, and lo and behold, all of these people, at least 5,000 men, so when you count it up with women and children, 10 to 20,000 people are following this man. They want to understand, and Jesus wants to communicate to them, here is who I am. And sometimes it's better, you know, a picture says a thousand words. And so Jesus wants to show a picture of who he is to these people. You know, although many of us are not in danger of starving, many of us are following this person, Jesus, wondering who he is, wondering what he has for us. And so the sign that he performs for those people is the sign that he's performing for us as well. See, what he does with the bread in this story is who he is. And what he does with the bread in this story is what he wants to do to you and to me as well. And so we're going to take a look at what Jesus does with this bread to understand who he is and to understand his message for us today. He does four things with this bread. The first is he chooses it. What do I mean? He chooses this bread. Sign or point number one. There's this great crowd that are coming, and Jesus sees that the Passover is near, and this great crowd is coming. Remember the Passover, which means literally the, the Lord is going to pass over you, and the Lord is going to bring you out of Egypt. And so the Passover occurs, and then for the next seven days they celebrate what's called the Feast of Unleavened Bread, because they, the people didn't have time to cook bread when they were leaving Egypt. And so they had the materials and they made this unleavened bread that was to sustain them. And they walked out of Egypt into the desert. And so God sustained them with this unleavened bread. He sustained them in the desert as well with the bread from heaven, the manna. And so Jesus sees this picture of the Passover and he wants to show them who he is. It's interesting, you know, Jesus, these people come and Jesus asks the question, you know, what, how are we going to feed these people? Now, I love that Jesus has some sense or feeling of responsibility to them. You know, we see in the scriptures where Jesus saw them, he had compassion for them, for they were like sheep without a shepherd. 
And it's just like when somebody comes to your house, you know, and you want to feed them, and you feel a responsibility for them because they're in your house. Jesus sees these 15,000 people and sees a responsibility for them. And so he asks his disciples, where are we going to feed them? The disciples look at him and say, you must be kidding. Nobody feeds 15,000 back then. Okay, it's just unheard of. And yet Jesus is asking this question. How are we, where are we going to get enough food to feed them? And the disciples, God bless them, they look at Jesus and they look at the boy and they say, let's go with the boy. <laughs> yeah, but that's not going to work. See, the, the, the disciples understand at the core of their being, what, what can we do? We're nobody. The reason the disciples fail is because they have nothing to give. Only these five barley loaves from this child. But how is it that Jesus can ask, <clears throat> ask this question? How is it that he can feed all of these people? He can feed because he is chosen. He is the chosen one. The scriptures say that Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. I am the bread of life. Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. But this is the bread that came down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. And if anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I give for life is my flesh. And so because Jesus is the chosen one, he can feed. And who does he choose? He chooses this little boy. What a beautiful picture of this little boy with his lunch. You know, the disciples say, you know, you know, here's this kid that's all I have. But you know what? It, it was his lunch. You know, and this is a little bit of a step of faith, isn't it? I give my lunch and it goes out to these 5,000 people, 10,000 people. What's that going to do? And yet the small faith of this child is Jesus chooses him. This one who seemingly wouldn't have anything to give. And this bread that he gives goes and grows. See, this boy is a picture of Jesus. Because many, many of us look at Jesus and we say, he's just an ordinary guy. What does he have to feed me? My heart, my dreams, my hopes, my aspirations. He has so small things and I have a 20,000 person need. But Jesus is the one who can take that which is normal and make it supernatural. Jesus is the boy. And through this little meal, he feeds all of these people. But you know, Jesus is not only the boy, we're the boy as well. Because in our heart of hearts with God, this is our desire. Choose me. We want to be chosen by God. We want God to look at us and want what we have, want who we are. But our problem is this, we have nothing to give. Maybe five loaves, two small fish, but what can that do? See, big plans like feeding 15,000 people, that comes with strategic plans. It comes with bringing in and mobilizing forces. But Jesus says, I choose you, little boy. You know, the beauty of Jesus is all these children would come to him and he would be blessing them. And the people would say, get away, get away. Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And because Jesus is the chosen one of God, Jesus chooses this boy, and he wants to choose us as well. 
I used to be on Young Life staff. Some of you maybe were involved with Young Life. And we would take high school kids to these great Young Life camps. And there was a lot of entertainment and fun stuff. And they had this thing at Young Life. One of the nights was called 50s Night. Okay, and basically they deck out the dining hall and make it look like a 50s diner. And everybody would go back to their cabin and dress up like 50s, you know, wear some jeans, white t-shirt, you know, roll up, uh, uh, you know, whatever, here, like some cigarettes or whatever to look like, and then you'd grease back your hair for the guys and the gals, and we would have already told them to bring some stuff. And so we come in, and this place would look like a 50s diner. And there was, there was a thing we do, uh, do you guys remember that scene in Top Gun, where, where they're in that place, and the crew starts singing, you lost that loving feeling? And you know, the play starts, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so, the, you know, the band would play the song, and the guys would, you know, surround the gals' tables and sing, sing You Lost That Love and Feeling. Well, I told my guys, here's what we're going to do, okay? We're going to find, we're not going to get around, you know, the girl who's the pretty one and has all the guys, and she's wearing the mama. What we're going to do is we're going to pick the person that never gets recognized. We're going to pick the girl that you wouldn't draw out of the crowd at all. That doesn't get the adulation, that doesn't get anything. And we, 10 guys, are gonna surround her and we're gonna sing this song to her. And I said, ah, okay, okay. And so we go in, there comes the music, okay? And all of the gals who are the pretty gals who are used for the attention are waiting for the guys to surround her. But instead, we surround this gal. And we sing to her. And we pay attention to her, and for that one moment, she's the most beautiful girl in the world. You see, we all want to be chosen. And for that second, she gets to experience what it means to be wanted and to be lifted up. See, that's our desire, to be chosen. And what God is doing is in this picture of faith with this child, choosing him and choosing these people that he feeds. Many times you may feel like I'm just one of the 5,000, you know? I'm one of those guys in the corner. But Jesus says, I choose you. And so the question is this, will you test him? Will you trust him? It's a pretty big step, isn't it? What if I come to him and he doesn't choose me? What do I have to give? I'm small. I'm the last person they pick when kickball comes around. Do I dare to hope that God would choose me? So we must ask, do you choose me? Because God chooses the bread, because he is the chosen one. But God not only chooses the bread, he blesses it. It says that Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he took these five loaves and two fish. Indeed, in Luke 9, 16, it says that taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing over them. Now, if you understand what a blessing is, it's used in the Old Testament often. It's used to take something ordinary and make it extraordinary. Something natural and make it supernatural. Indeed, this very word, this blessing that he gives over the bread, is the same blessing that he gives in the Last Supper. It's called the Eucharist, the Eucharisto, to give thanks Remember Jesus, after he took the cup, and when he had blessed it, he said, take this and divide it among them. And then he took the bread, and when he had Eucharistoed it, he broke it and gave it to them. The word Eucharisto is a mix of different Greek words. 
Some of you know the word charis, which means grace. And kara, which is the derivative of charis, which means joy. And eucharisto, which means thanksgiving. And so what is to bless something? It's to have joy, to give joy to them. To give grace to them and to give thanks for them. To bless them. You know, we all have in the ancient Near Eastern culture, the blessing was an important part of life. You know, the blessing is the father giving his favor upon his child. You know, I have a great dad, you know, he, I was able to receive the blessing from him in seeing his love that he had for me. But you know, many of us did never receive that blessing from our, our dad. And for some reason, it's the dad that's the important one with this. We never received that blessing, that joy, that thanksgiving, that favor. And so we go around and around looking for it somewhere. But Jesus is the one who has the possibility, the ability to bless, because He is the blessed one. He's not only chosen by God, He's blessed by Him. Remember Jesus being baptized and coming out of the water? And this dove, this one like a dove comes, and the Holy Spirit says, You are my Son. Today with you, I am well pleased. And as Jesus comes into the earth, John the Baptist, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus is the chosen and the blessing one. And so Jesus has the ability to give the blessing of God to people. We need the blessing of God. We need God to come alongside us and to have joy over us. To have grace for us. To give thanks for us. I love the verse Zephaniah 3.17. The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. See, life is a search for blessing. That ultimately ends in the blessing of God. God, will you bless me? You see, Jesus in this picture of blessing the bread, which he gives to the people, is him saying, I want to bless, to show a blessing upon you, the love that I have for you. I give you the blessing, which is my body. I remember hearing a story about uh, a guy named Henry Nowen. I don't know if you've ever heard of Henry Nowen. He was a Catholic priest. Uh, he's deceased, but he was a brilliant man. He taught at Harvard. He taught at Yale. But toward the end of his life, he went to work at this community, large community. It was a community of faith for uh, mentally handicapped people. And uh, now one would serve as the priest and minister to these people. Well, one day, he was uh, serving in a... In a uh, I'll, I'll tell the story from his point of view. Now one says, I would like to tell you a little story about our community. There's one of my friends there who's quite handicapped, but a beautiful, wonderful lady. And she said to me, Henri, can you bless me? Henry, can you bless me? I remember walking up to her and giving her a little cross on her forehead. She said, Henry, it doesn't work. No, that is not what I mean. I was embarrassed and said, I gave you a blessing. She said, no, I want to be blessed. And I kept thinking, what does she mean? Well, we had a little service and all these people were sitting there. And after the service, I said, Janet wants a blessing. I had an owl on and a long robe with long sleeves. And, Janice, and uh, Janet walked up to me and said, I want to be blessed. 
and she put her head against my chest, and I spontaneously put my arms around her, held her, and looked right into her eyes, her eyes and said, Blessed are you, Janet. You know how much you are loved and how important you are to God. You know that you are a good woman. She looked at me and said, yes, yes, I know. And suddenly, I saw all sorts of energy coming back to her. She seemed to be relieved from this feeling of depression because she suddenly realized that she was blessed. She went back to her place and immediately other people said, I want that kind of blessing too. And so they would come up and place their head on Henry's chest and he would enfold them with his arms and he would give them the blessing of God. One by one. And I, he says, I remember that after that, one of the people in our community who assists the handicapped, a strong guy, a football player, said, Henry, can I have a blessing too? And I remember standing there in front of each other and I said, John, and I put my hands on his shoulder, you're blessed. You are a good person. God loves you. We love you. And you are important. See, we need the blessing of God. We need to put our head on His chest. We need Him to be able and want to enfold us in His arms and to sing over us with shouts of joy, to give His grace and His love and His thanksgiving for us. And because Jesus is the blessed one, he is able to bless us. And so we must approach Him and say, I need your blessing. And be, have enough courage and hope to put our head on His chest. Give me your blessing. That is what I need. It's risky, isn't it? What if He doesn't enfold me? What if He pushes me away? But you see, here's how we know that when we come to Him, like with the faith of a child, we can receive a blessing. Because after he blessed the bread, he broke it. A picture of his love. Look at verse 11. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. A more clear picture in Mark 6.41. And taking the five loaves of the two fish, he looked up, he said to heaven a blessing, and he broke the bread, and he gave it to them. See, the bread cannot be distributed distributed until it's broken, can it? How can 15,000 be fed unless the bread is broken? Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. There was a passage at a time when Jesus was telling the disciples that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected. And that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this and Peter pulled him aside. And he began to rebuke him. You can't say these things. But Jesus then turned and looked at his disciples and rebuked Peter saying, Get behind me, Satan. You don't have in mind the things of God but the things of man. See, Jesus' point of being blessed was that he, so he could be broken. See, we want to clean Jesus. A shiny Jesus. A Jesus we can worship from afar. But God gives us a bloody Jesus. A broken Savior. One who pours out His life on the cross. One who gives everything that we might become unbroken. Like Peter, we ask, is there another way? 
But there is no other way. To embrace this one called Jesus, we must embrace a broken Jesus. See, the reason that Christ must be broken is because we are broken. And the only way that we can make, be made whole is for Him to break in our place. Sin has shattered every one of us, and we cannot unbreak ourselves. But He was pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon Him, and by His wounds we are healed. I remember I was in my backyard, and I saw my son was out in the, we have this like big kind of wetlands behind it. It's great for the kids going out there. One day we'll lose them because they'll get eaten by a snapping turtle or something, but it's good for them playing around. So they're out there, my youngest son, and he's got a buddy, and I see them in the distance, and they're dragging something. I'm wondering, oh boy, what have they found? You know, is this a prehistoric beast? Or, you know, they keep dragging this thing closer and closer. And finally, I go down to the fence, and I'm like, well, what do you guys got? And it was a statue. You know those St. Francis of Assisi statues? It was a statue. I mean, it weighed 60 pounds, and it weighed an ounce. And these two young guys are literally dragging this thing. Peace, but, you know, peace, I mean, just slowly. It took them probably an hour to drag this thing. And they, and they bring it, you know, and I grab it, and I, you know, carry it in. And... And I'm like, why, why did you guys get this? So it was just there. We thought it could be something valuable, you know. Well, there was a problem with the statue. It didn't have a head. <laughs> Headless statue, okay? See, somehow this thing must have gotten broken, and somebody got tired, and they just dumped it in the woods. So the boys went searching for the head. And lo and behold, you know, later that day or the next day, they found it. And it was in this stream underneath the water, just sitting there. And so they grabbed the head, and they, you know, we had the body, and they looked at me, and I looked at them, and we grabbed some fixative, and placed the head on the body, and leaned it up, and lo and behold, if you come to our house, and you are at the front door, and you look to the right, there's St. Francis right there standing, looking at you. See, the thing was broken, and it couldn't be unbroken. And so somebody pumped it in the woods because it wasn't worth anything. But Jesus is the one who has come to be broken, that we might be made new. And so Jesus, the chosen one, the blessed one, is also the broken one, who comes and gives life to all of those who would be fed by him. See, at some point in our life, we have to decide do I have it all together or am I broken? Can I figure out life on my own? Can I find my own adhesive and fixative? Or maybe you're that person who's been thrown in the woods, who's been given up on by everybody, including yourself. But the Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. And so you must come to this one who has the bread. Come for the blessing. Come for the choosing come to say, unbreak me. For that's why the Lord came, to bind up the broken heart. Jesus chooses the bread, He blesses the bread, He breaks the bread, and then He gives the bread. You know, can you imagine being His disciples, and this little kid who's standing there, 
and watching the bread just multiply as the bread is handed out again and again and again. See, what do you think the crowd is thinking? Got to get some for mom over there. What is the crowd thinking, you know? Nobody feeds 15,000 people. It's a culture of scarcity, isn't it? And so they're expecting nothing. And then they get a little bit. And then they know, well, that's going to be it. But the problem, or the goodness of it, is the food keeps coming. As they reach into the bowl, lo and behold, there's more there again. And the food comes in these groups, and they can't believe it. Because no one is ever overfed in this culture. Certainly not 15,000 people. But Jesus keeps giving and giving and giving. You know, in, in my house we have four children. And I'd liken our house to like the nest when you have, you know, the baby birds. You know, and they're opening their mouth, you know. Give, give, give. And my wife thankfully loves to cook, but they just keep getting bigger. And sooner or later, you run out. See, that's the way we are with Jesus, isn't it? I'll take a, oh, I'm fine, I'm fine. Or maybe a small portion. But no more, I mean, I don't want to be impolite, you know. I'll take a little love, a little blessing, a little affection. But in this picture of the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus says, I have more for you than you could ever ask or imagine. I'll keep feeding you. Indeed, I have more to give than you have to take. And by the end, there are these 12 baskets of food. Gather them up that nothing shall be wasted. See, we need real food. We've got to get away from the cheap stuff, don't we? We've even maybe forgotten what the good stuff tastes like. But Jesus is my flesh, is real food. My flesh, I'm, I'm the bread of life come down to give life to the world. And so the last thing we must come with is if we come and say, choose me and bless me and fix me, we must come hungry. We must come with an open mouth like that little bird. Feed me with yourself. Satisfy me with your love and your grace and your kindness. Because God has come into the world to do that. Man does not live by bread alone, but the Word of God. God has given us His food, His scriptures by which He speaks to us of His love. And He fills us up. God's Word is living. How does it work? I don't know. But all of these passages where we hear that He will rejoice over us with singing and quiet us with His holy love, it's God speaking to us. And dare we have the courage to believe it to open our hearts and to accept. We can come into God's presence through His church, through prayer in a little room, just you and Him. Bless me. We can bless one another with the blessing of God. That's church, isn't it? Helping to feed one another with the love of God. Christ is alive, and we feed on Him by faith. But isn't it interesting that heaven is pictured as a banquet feast. There's not a feast in the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is the feast where we will come and we will sit down with Him and see Him face by face. 
There will be no more tear and no more crying and no more hunger. For behold, all the things have passed away, including death. Behold, I make all things. Jesus is the bread of life, broken and given for us, that we might have new life in Him. Do you dare ask to be chosen? Do you dare ask to be blessed? Do you dare ask to be made whole? And do you dare ask to say, I'm hungry? Because God has come to give His life away. He is the chosen one. The one who has come from God for you. And He longs to feed you. He just wants you to ask. Let's pray. What a beautiful sign that you've given us, Lord. You are chosen. You're the one that God has brought to us to help us know who you are and the love that you have for us, to feed us, to satisfy our thirsty souls. Lord, give us the courage to look and to ask, to want the blessing, to want to be filled, not just small portions, impolite to ask more, but like that woman on the chest at Henry Nellie. I want a big blessing. Lord, give that to us. We love you. Let us be a blessing to one another and to you as we rejoice in the grace. All of this we pray in Christ's name. Amen.